Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello, everybody out there listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. You're back. You're back here and you're listening to yet another feature show on these airwaves, always on a Tuesday. Uh, We love it. We love you. Uh, But it's not the only type of content we've got in this network. Don't forget that you can check out Central whenever Ross McLeod decides to record that show. Um, He has a number of great guests, including sexy John Isherwood, who sometimes pops up uh, on that show. And also listen to Saturday Draft Live, which comes out on a Saturday. Uh, funnily enough, you've also got all the great stuff we've got on YouTube. Hundreds of great content here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're we're every type of social media uh, because we love it. We love social media. We love talking about ourselves. It's my favourite pastime. Uh, but I've also got a wonderful panel here today. We're going to be talking about the careers and rivalry of AJ Lee and Paige. And I'm starting off with someone who... AJ Lee, she was known for the pipe bombshell. And we have our very own bath bomb princess right here. She is ah, the current ESSR Women's Champion. Sarah Grieve, how are you? <laughs> oh, it pains me to say that, doesn't it, David? Yeah, well, I was the greatest uh, ESSR Women's Champion of all time and the number one feminist on this podcast. <laughs> so I think it was, it was horrible for you to do. But how are you, Sarah? Have you got a stitch onesie on tonight you are telling me before we came on here? I, I do, I do. It's brand new and I'm really, really cosy. Oh, it's fantastic. I love that. I love that so much. Well, listen, uh, it's also very, very exciting because Paige made a great debut. We're going to talk about it the night after WrestleMania 30. And that's like that's a, a great occasion for someone to debut. But what better occasion for two people to make their feature debuts than on a show hosted by David Campbell? It's, it's fantastic. It's really an honour for both of them. <laughs> First up is Scottish Wrestling Network owns Billy Strachan. Billy, how are you doing? I'm so excited just by that segue. I know I'm going to have a good time. <laughs> You're always going to have a good time in these areas, Billy. How's your Sunday been? What have you been up to? I, I have done sweet nothing this weekend. I've got I'm going back to see some wrestling next weekend, so I'm just I'm still not, I'm just that buzzed, and I'm so buzzed to speak about yeah. wrestling with some some fans. What and, are you going uh, to see next weekend? I'm going to see WrestleZone. WrestleZone's nice. back, and uh, I was supposed to be going to a Comic Con in Edinburgh, but. Unfortunately, it's been cancelled, so unfortunately, the wrestlers are going to have to see my ugly mug. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Well, we love having you here, Billy, and we also love having Tom McManus. Tom, how are you doing? I'm very well, cheers. Thank you, David. 
Yeah, not bad. Good Sunday for you, Tom. Are you a football fan, Tom? Uh, I, f- I follow bits and bobs. I luckily managed to miss United, uh, Manchester United's big uh, upset of the weekend, but uh, I'm, I'm just about to go on holiday, so I've not been catching up. <laughs> ah, fair enough. Where are you going? Uh, I'm, a- I'm off to Centre Parks oh, for the first time. The, uh, a nice my partner absolutely loves it. Yeah. yeah, that'll be good, especially this time of year. You're all cosy in the cabin and stuff like that, and you've got the sort of winter surroundings around you. We're getting into that cold time of year. I love it. It's my dream. Oh, so yeah. And there's my... no kids because they're back in school. Well, 100%. And this is we hate children here, famously, at Eat, Sleep, oh, like Free Sweet. So, I am, you know, am going to sit right in here. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, that's my great panel I have here today. Uh, people, that's everyone uh, who is with me. There is no one else of note here on this panel. No one else. Of, oh, God. He's here. He does call this his house. His name is Stephen Wilson. Stephen, how are you? Ah, David. It's always a pleasure to be uh, is Yeah, it? you did, you, the line, you took the line I was going to use myself. This is my house. I'm uh-huh. li- well, luckily, I'm in my house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I'm looking forward to uh over-the-top, reckless show, David. Uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> Brian Porter shouldn't have been sent off. But anyway, we're ah! talking about <laughs> AJ Lee and Paige here today. Uh, is what we're going to be discussing. And I want to start off with AJ Lee. Now, Sarah, on this podcast, you were, you were known for covering the NXT content back in its prime, talking about those those takeover previews where you and your panel, you loved it. <laughs> but there was another iteration of NXT before that. It was the game show NXT, and that is where AJ made her start here in WWE, took part in the third season of NXT. Um, do you have any a memory of this season of NST when it was the women, the female competitors who were getting a shot. Um, I didn't, I didn't watch it when it was actually going on, um, but I, I have like sat and unfortunately watched it um, with, and it's watching it back and then reading from AJ's point of view in her book. Um, it's a very, very massive and weird thing that gets going on. I mean, yeah. Being, being paired with like Primo, then having like the, the tease of a relationship and the sumo wrestling suits and oh my yeah. god yeah it was it was quite the time it was quite the time but it did let her develop the first stage of her character like she was incorporating her sort of geeky fandom into things you know and she had that on screen friendship with Caitlin which Stephen would eventually cross over onto the main roster when she went up um, when she was part of a team with Caitlin known as the the Chickbusters. Now, do you have any memories of of this friendship blossoming at what was? I'm sure we can all agree a golden age of the women's division in WWE. Yeah, golden age. Yeah, we use that term very, very, very loosely. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the Chickbusters who had some uh, great feuds with the likes of Rosa Mendez, Alicia Fox. Tamina Snooker, whatever happened to her. Yeah, it's. Um, I thought when she was in, a, I mean, you mentioned this kind of season three of NXT, the kind of game show thing. I thought she was the kind of standout in that season, mm-hmm. which is easy to say because it's a pretty crap season. You know, seasons two to five are pretty shit. <laughs> uh, but they, I, they, she goes out the main roster and does, yeah, it's just a bad, bad start to her career at this point. I don't think it's fair to say she does very, very little. Her character, the nerd character as you mentioned, David, she struggles to kind of grasp it. Uh, put in with somebody with the charisma that Caitlin had. Um, 
Chiomega really had charisma when she was on screen with Big E, which is not having charisma with Big E is you know very very easy. Yeah, 100%. so yeah, it's, it's just like and she feuds with Natalia. You know, I mean that's never a good thing. But no, <laughs> no, uh, that's the she is the Dolph Ziggler of the women's division. Like no oh, interesting no. feuds will come of that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> But Tom, I think what Stephen's getting at here, like you know yourself, the importance of finding your character, of finding your gimmick, and they say that people should dive into their real life uh, for things, um, and AJ was trying to do that here, but it seems like it just never clicked for AJ with this character in the main roster. Well, I, 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 I do agree with that, and I do think that that's part of the thing. But I think part of that is that you've got to look at the um, creative process of WWE at that time as well. Because I, I wasn't watching at this time, but I've gone back and watched a, a, a load of stuff from this. And if you look at AJ as a person on on the the NXT Tough Enough rebrand that it was meant to be, I, I remember like, I wasn't watching, but I remember I was at school at that time and thinking back, like I went to school with people who looked and spoke like AJ. She yeah. was very much she was very much a character of a time. And that's not a character they've ever done before. So when you think about it, like it, it was probably always going to take them a long time to work it up because they have so little say in in what their character is, and it obviously all comes down from Vince. But if you think, if you look back and think about it at that time, it's the development of of them being like, oh, okay, this is what what young women are like, and now they're like they're going to have to try and bring that forward and stuff like that. So it got there. But obviously, creative. Obviously, it was a new experience for them. I think. Yeah, hundred percent. And like that's the thing. We we blame performers for their characters not working. But at the end of the day, it's down to WWE's the system. Especially if you're coming in, you don't have a lot of influence in the way that your character goes. But thankfully, creative did give her something of substance going forward, Billy. When she was paired with Daniel Bryan. Now, I think this was the case of the the right thing happening for both. Uh, of these competitors at the right time. AJ sort of floundered in in this tag team with Caitlin and this babyface role. And Daniel Bryan really getting the push that he deserved on the SmackDown brand, but really still trying to figure out what his character was going to be, what his gimmick was going to be. How does he fit in as a person in the WWE system? And do you think that this was beneficial, this pairing, for both parties involved? Absolutely. I mean, it gave them both like a, a point of of trying to prove themselves and just before because I, I wasn't part of the NXT season 3 but a little bit chatter there just got to remember Exan and Goldust got married and it was the greatest season of all time yeah. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh that, that, that is the exception to the rule you know that oh, is the yeah. exception Ted DiBiase comes in crashes the whole thing it's a thing of beauty it's the second best wrestling wedding ever behind Index Oh, and Dex, and Dex takes the game, but, but carry on, Billy. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting the disrespect for season three because it was just, it was, it was special. And I agree with everyone, what everyone else is saying about like AJ was that kind of common, um, common, but she's like that common woman where it's the evolution of this nerdy girl that the WWE didn't do before, like, like you're saying. Uh, but yeah, this, this kind of Daniel Bryan as an excellent wrestler that he was or is still is he just, yeah that character just wasn't clicking and he was just a bland baby face and he yeah. could do good kicks and then AJ of course was was this like nerdy character who I mean it was a time that wrestling was kind of secondary for women and she didn't have the kind of sex appeal I suppose I would say yeah. because she was that nerdy character uh, so yeah to at least pair them both together and just see what happens it, 
it's certainly uh, yeah, it got people to know the both more uh, for better or for worse with uh, Daniel yeah. Bryan starting to know stuff around about that time as well didn't he not 100%. It's safe to say that neither of them were cheddar. Both were just some common bitch. Uh, but as this storyline progressed, Sarah, uh, we had the moment that people really associate with this couple. Uh, and that was the kiss of death that took place at WrestleMania when Brian was about to defend his World Heavyweight title against Sheamus and was defeated famously in 18 seconds. We've talked about this booking. Quacky has named it his favourite WrestleMania opener of all time but what do you do you think this was really the thing that put AJ on the map strangely like we say it led to to the yes movement indirectly in Daniel Bryan's <laughs> career but really it was good for AJ as well I mean absolutely because at this at this point like she was only really doing like what the NXT Redemption where she was the girlfriend of Hornswoggle and then like losing to the Divas of Doom like that's all she was doing before this point so having like the on-screen romance with, with Daniel Bryan and developing into that heel character um, definitely, definitely worked for her. And then when it came to, you know, that WrestleMania moment, um, especially mainly the fact that the the actual storyline going along was AJ saying that she loves Daniel Bryan and he would never say it to her in return. So obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, a girl's going to be pissed, right? From a girl's perspective, I'd be pissed at all, right? Yeah. So... When this was happening, and obviously you've had the stuff with Big Show, all that sort of stuff, like her basically preventing, despite being, you know, verbally abused, which we do not stand for. No. The whole sharing a good luck kiss with Brian, I don't know. Like, people always ask, is that was that pre-planned in AJ's eyes? Did she plan to, like, cost him, essentially? Because mm-hmm. it, it did. It, it ended their relationship, and... He, he basically branded her as unstable, which then after, this is when she, she started la- started lashing out, because it was like not that long after that she basically attacked Natalia and Caitlyn, when they were trying to be good pals and comfort her. But yeah. again, where were they throughout this entire time? I'd, I'd turn around and be mad enough they weren't, if they were like, oh, but it's okay, it's okay, we're there for you, but they, ha- they weren't there throughout the entire thing. I'd be mad yeah, enough. spill the tea, but, spill the tea, Sarah, I agree. They're no pals. You did say we don't stand for verbal abuse unless it's directed at Stephen Wilson. And Stephen, oh, yeah. I'm going to come to you next. Uh, because <laughs> at this point, AJ, she gets this character like, don't call me crazy. It's great. She's becoming one of the best things in WWE TV. And what elevates that is when she gets into this sort of love rhombus, as it were, uh, with <laughs> Daniel Bryan, <laughs> WWE Champion CM Punk, and the sexiest man in WWE history in Glen, uh, Big Dirty Glen Jacobs and Kane. Uh, what are your memories from this particular storyline? Oh, this was amazing. This is one of the. Uh, it was. It was leading up to the No Way Out pay per view in 2012. Now, the fact that these lot didn't main event in that pay per view is a sham. The main event is with John Cena and Big Show in a steel cage with John Laurinaitis's career on the line. That has <sighs> nothing on this, you know. But you got it, AJ. I mean, I know she's. Uh, Sarah's obviously Sarah will probably know about the book better than I do, but uh, she has mentioned in the she mentioned the book she didn't the maybe the, the character at this point she probably wasn't a great idea. But you look at this triple threat match, you've got the WWE champion CM Punk, the hottest wrestler in the company at that point in time. You've got the guy who would become the next hottest wrestler in the company in Daniel Bryan, and you have a legend in Kane in a triple threat. And the standout in the feud is AJ. 
she just does yeah. some absolutely fantastic to, uh, work in the whole thing. And the whole thing, and I mean, getting Kane involved is great because that and that then brings Kane into the, the picture that kind of leads to the team hell no stuff, which helps push Daniel Bryan to the next level. She continues to get involved in that one. My only disappointment in it all, David, was in the blowout match between Punk and Bryan at Murray in the Bank in 2013. I don't mm. think they pull it off very well. I think it's kind of a flat finish to the whole programme. And then she just gets chucked into this whole wedding and GM thing that you'll probably talk about in a week. Ah, yeah, we'll hold that there because there's a very important question, Stephen, that I need to ask Tom. Now, Tom, I want you to take real life out of this. Alright, this is purely cave, my friends. Alright, this is who's the daddy. Alright, out of these three, which relationship do you ship? Should it have been AJ and Punk? Should it have been AJ and an abusive ex Daniel Bryan? Or should she have went with Kane? Tom, give us your verdict on this very important issue. As a ma- as much of a CM Punk fan as I was, it's gotta be Kane. That's <laughs> yeah. gotta be Kane. That's gotta be Kane. <laughs> oh. He couldn't help but get behind Kane. It was just like, he came, out, he came out of absolute left field. It was just like he would just done that stuff with uh, Cena. The whole trying to turn him to the dark side thing, and then they just stuck him in this random love triangle. And you're like, yeah, I can, go. I can dig that. I can dig <laughs> like, see, CFAJ is Meryl Streep. Kane is the bill in this scenario. Yeah. He's the guy with the boat. He's clearly the sexiest of the three. He can't sing, but that doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, neither can Piers Brosnan, so it's fine. Um, but Tom, I'll stick with you since I gave you such a ridiculous question. Um, obviously, Brian proposes to AJ after this. She says yes, but she's not saying yes to him because at Raw 1000, Vince McMahon comes out and he says that AJ Lee is the new general manager of Raw. Tom, holistically, what do you remember about AJ stint as Raw GM? Were you a lover of it, or were you not so keen on it? Tell us some of your favourite memories from this uh, particular so, point in time. So I've I've seen very little of this um, mm. because this is this is just slightly before I came into watching regularly. Um, I've I've gone back and I've watched watched bits and stuff like that. It's what it's again. It's something that helped cement her as a character, and it kept her on regular TV when they very clearly didn't have very much for her to go in the way of direction. And it and it's it certainly worked in that response of keeping her fresh in everyone's mind and giving her a new perspective. The the one the one thing I do remember is when the heel turn came in, and Heyman proposing to AJ. I remember that being absolute pure genius. Mm-hmm. Um, just, uh, just the idea. The idea of that should have been that should have been my answer for the, for the previous question. <laughs> that should have been no. They're they're having the wrestling wedding, but Heyman comes in right at the end and sweeps her off her feet. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's one of that. It, it worked for what it was. It worked for what it was. It what it's. There's better things coming down the line that I'm sure we're going to get into and stuff. But like the general manager stint. Um, it, it kept her fresh and it showed that she could do other things other than just be the character that we'd already perceived her as, which is what you always need to be in WWE. A hundred percent. And I think, Billy, the important thing is here, it gave her, like, like Tom saying, TV time, but also mic time, because that was something that wasn't really afforded to a lot of women in the division at this point. Um, and AJ was getting week after week, segment after segment, the putting together of sort of Team Hell No, was sending them a therapy interactions with Vicky and, um, and Paul Heyman, as Tom's already alluded to. And this was, I think, 
what set her ahead of the pack when it came to the women at this time was that she could tell any story she was given on the mic and she was really captivating to listen to. Absolutely, she was given that trust, which it's it was hard at that time for any woman to get uh, if you weren't a Bella or, or something like that, uh, to be trusted to do anything even then. I shouldn't trust Bellas too much. Uh, but yeah. Uh, hey, hey, Belly, let's <laughs> calm the ham here. All right, let's calm the ham. Uh, but yeah, that, they gave her plenty of, of opportunity and she just grabbed them with, with both hands. Uh, I mean, she spent that time, of course, with, with guys who could talk like CM Punk and and uh, legends who could offer advice like the Fanny Magnet himself, Kane. So you would be able to, to at least pick their brains and, and Paul Heyman interactions with them, Vicky Guerrero, who didn't seem to offer much but had all this heat on her so she was put in a position where she had all these people that could give her pieces of this puzzle to make the most of the opportunities and she certainly did it yeah 100% and I think that like you said Tom the GM room served her for what it was but Sarah we moved into what was a very people look back fondly in this point of AJ's career because she betrays Cena um, and sides with Dolph Ziggler and the new client that comes into the fold, Big E Langston. Now, when you talk about trios in wrestling, like in stables that don't really get like enough credit or we don't look back on too fondly, this pairing uh, of Dolph, AJ and Big E was a really, really hot time for the careers of all three people involved. It was fantastic. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming off like the whole feud, it was um, John Cena with Dolph Ziggler. Um, that it just it brought something really really fresh again because they had the romance angle in it with AJ and Dolph which at this point in time it's about what 20, 2012 2013 time mm-hmm. and at, the, at this point it's just like right, okay what else are the female wrestlers going to do apart from be obsessed with the guys but AJ's no matter if you put her in a love triangle or even a love rhombus or a, a love anything that she's going to make it work just because you, you can't believe that she's like either smitten or she's going to be evil and try and twist and turn but having bring in Biggie as the bo- essentially the bodyguard which at this point he was hot off being the NXT champion really really hot in NXT bringing him up and just having them be the muscle because when you look at Biggie, he is a muscly muscly boy mm. so you can believe it and again, with Dolph being the, the sort of cowardly show-off that he wants to be, it's, it's, they all bounced off each other and it made it work. And the whole fact with like AJ basically saying that um, Cena toyed with her emotions and broke her heart, so she helped Dolph Ziggler break him. It was like, it's like the perfect you know, revenge plan against the next boyfriend. I mean, instead of, you know, keying his car... Or in the words of Carrie Underwood, taking a Louisville slugger to both mm. headlights. You're gonna just like take the thing that want, like, they love the most, and that is championships. And maybe next time we think <laughs> before he cheats. What a tune, man. Well, I love him. Family Guy when Stewie starts singing that with such passion. You know, it's a very passionate song. But you're right in what you're saying, Stephen. I think this comes back to what we talked about with AJ and Brian. When AJ is teamed with someone whoever it is that she rubs shoulders with they too will be elevated up the card they too will get an extra rub on their character and you're you're a huge fan of that Dolph Ziggler cash-in but Dolph oh, Ziggler yeah. probably doesn't get to that point of popularity without AJ Lee at that time would you say that's fair to say? 
Yeah, I think that's a very fair statement, David. I think uh, I think with Dolph just before it, I think he'd hit as far as he could with the Vicky stuff. I mean, Dolph was getting to a level of popularity that if you combined that with Vicky's heat, it just wasn't working. Whereas with AJ, she kind of had that. People still loved her, but she was a bad guy. And then obviously AJ brings the biggest gift in wrestling. You know, Rand, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts brought us a python to Miss Elizabeth and Randy Savage's wedding, but AJ tops it all, and she brings Biggie into our world. Uh-huh. Oh boy, man, man, what a gift he has been. You know, it's oh, even better. Than, man. It's, it's even better the moment, the moment one of the entrances where Biggie's doing the whole flexing the muscles thing, and he slaps on the face, just like oh. <laughs> well, he actually broke her rib doing that. <laughs> Oh, I've seen the size of his arms. Oh my, oh my god, the man just sits at steak while Shane McMahon's doing a speech. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It is funny, to be fair. But, but Tom, during this whole thing, she wins the Divas title. And she's sort of distancing herself from Big E. And she has the feud with Dolph. In October 26th, August 26th, rather. Notice I can't even read what month it is. I'm very excited about this next bit. <laughs> AJ interrupts the cast of Total Divas and she delivers what would become known as the pipe bombshell, where she says that she's going to beat them all and says lines such as talent isn't sexually transmitted. It's a great, great promo and rightfully one that Tom is still talked about to this day in wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this set the bar. I think this this real this is probably the moment where, if you do look at AJ's career, this is the moment that propelled her into the top of the women's division. And you've got to look at like from this point on, she is arguably the top of the women's division, like by a long shot, mm-hmm. to the point that they do eventually have to start bringing people up to work with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, I think I think I think it's, it it played on those notions that that people kind of had about uh, it played it played on the stereotypes that people had, and it it turned into just a great piece of television. It took it all into the into a great piece of television, and it's she's probably arguably like probably the most successful cool heel of the modern era I think mm. if you look at it like in terms of like she's if you think about it she's got a lot of things going for her in the fact that she is if you look at what they want as a tough enough contestant AJ is exa- AJ's career is exactly what they like she's the prime example of why they started tough enough in the first place of finding an ordinary person and then going on and doing the whole run of the mill and then um, and then this is kind of similar to that in the fact that she's taken she's taken the idea of the cool heel that has never worked since 90s WCW and ran with it and worked at it every time yeah I like that I actually I really really like that comparison and I think you're right because a lot of people these days like they're either on ardently on the side of cool heels or there's people who are like heels shouldn't like be like trying to get cheered like they should be doing everything they can to get booed there's sort of two schools of thought but she's, way she's doing so- yeah she's doing everything that she can to get booed mm-hmm. but people are cheering her anyway yeah they 100%. like what she's saying 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that's I think that's what made her different from the fact that neither side of that divide could criticize her was just how good she was. You know, objectively what your sort of ideology of what he should be doesn't matter at that point when she's so effective. But Billy, there is a bit of a not a criticism but a quandary I present to you about this title reign because she goes up against all the cast of like Total Divas very many times. The Bellas, all these people enter into a lot of feuds. Tamina's our bodyguard. Do you think, though, that the Divas title reign of AJ highlighted the problem that WWE had with our women's division at this time and that there could only be one spot and there was only one star and there was only one champion and it was hard for anyone who wasn't AJ at this point to really build themselves up as a character underneath her and get over in their own right. Do you think I'm being a bit harsh there or do you think that's fair? No, I, I, I think I pretty much agree with that because I mean, they've only got, what, five at that point, was this was the hour of Raws? I have no idea, but uh, they've only got five hours of television to film. Maybe maybe just have one woman. Easy, that's that's it. But yeah, <laughs> when, when when you do see who her opponent, the calibre of her opponents I'm not going to slag off the Bellas again, I've learned my lesson but, mm-hmm. uh, but the calibre of opponents, uh, like like Cameron, like Naomi wasn't there yet, she would mm-hmm. she would eventually be excellent in the ring but just wasn't at that time, uh, who else Natalia, the black hole of charisma we've got uh, <laughs> Layla, oh my god <laughs> um, Caitlin, yeah. Caitlin was fine, but she wasn't it just I think we're spoiled now for mm-hmm. re- women's wrestling when we look back at 2010 and think I mean AJ herself wasn't the best in ring she carried it more with her charisma and her mic work and because nobody else got that chance everyone just looked absolute rubbish in comparison to her and that's why she's best I think the reason why she didn't get booed really is because her insults were never directed at the audience as far as I can remember they were always directed to her opponents which for good or for bad was the reason why people didn't take offence to her because they weren't only insulting us they're insulting the people on Total Bellas so uh, yeah it's I don't think anyone else got a chance but I don't think it's her fault she just took all the opportunities opportunities she could and good on her yeah, 100%. I think there's a there's a definite comparison you can make with AJ and what Alexa Bliss went on to do, but maybe where Bliss became a more effective heel is doing what you're saying, Billy, like she went after the fans eh, as well as her opponents. Well, you, like, you, like you say, AJ, so you're sort of punching up at what she viewed as the privileged uh, sort of reality show types that she was up against in the division. And indeed, she beats the entire division at WrestleMania 30, which brings us on to the Raw after... No, it doesn't, because we're going to go back in time. We're doing a time warp again, because something else is a broom. Something else is happening at this point when AJ is dominating the division. Sarah, back in the early days of ESSR, you made your name talking about NXT, doing those takeover previews. You loved it, and don't worry, I'm not going to end this again by talking about the game show NXT, because we're going right back to the early days of when it was rebanded as the developmental territory and we got the NXT that we came to know and love and Paige was one of the cornerstones debuting in the third episode of that rebooted NXT. What do you remember the first time that you saw Paige wrestle in NXT? Did you think that she had the ability to be a star that she would become? Were you into it from the very beginning? Tell us your initial thoughts of Paige. Um, well, see, I'd, I I was aware 
of who Paige was. Um, obviously, like any sort of wrestling fan in the in the UK are aware of the Knight family. Um, obviously, they're not considered like royalty, but they are a very well-known family within the UK wrestling industry. Um, so, and I had seen Paige wrestle every now and again uh, watching Shimmer. So I, I knew what she was capable of. Obviously, like I remember her like 2010 style page where it's just like the emo side sweat fringe and like that sort of stuff like so to see her evolve to being like the sort of like wee gothic lady like it was a girl with the raven hair that everyone would obviously refer to her um, and I thought like I knew that she probably could be a star it was just it was a shame that she started off maybe a little bit rocky and then once it got to about September era she started going on her winning streak um, to this point like when when we were all thinking yeah there's, they're going to have to introduce a women's championship at some point because they've brought um, like pages around you've got Emma's been like there Aksana you remember her from the NXT show and um, that great wedding that, that Billy brought up earlier <laughs> don't forget and the great it's, wedding it's <laughs> but we're also people like Alicia Fox. Now, Alicia, we already knew her from being like the first African-American uh, Divas Champion and her work on the main roster, Natalia as well. So when they started bringing all these other women through to feel safe, to, like to actually like do the tapings and do um, stuff with all the, all the women that are in NXT, you had a feeling that they were going to start introducing a women's championship at some point. Um, but that doesn't even take away from anything of the, the great feud that was Summer Rae and Paige in NXT. <laughs> like, Summer Rae, man. That's a uh, time. It's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> long time. That, like, that, poor, that poor woman, she got in between God's greatest couple. <laughs> yeah. 100%. 100%. But Stephen, we talk about that. She had a feud with Summer Rae. She was doing great. But there, there's someone I know that good itching to talk about here there's someone I know that you love and that's Emma you know Stephen you, you've talked about how you love Emma Emma is overlooked and underrated and when people talk about the, the women's revolution in WWE there's different points they talk back to was it really Stephanie McMahon who revolutionised women's wrestling you know <laughs> I don't think we all buy into that you know but we could point back to what the work that Paige and Emma were doing in NXT obviously both make the finals of the tournament uh, to become the first ever NXT women's champion and we get this this first sort of NXT uh, pay-per-view NXT arrival where Paige once again defends uh, the title against Natalia, um, but it's really that match with Emma for the NXT Women's Championship that cemented Paige as the one to watch, as the one who could come up and do something on the main roster. Do you think that's that's fair to say? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've been quite vocal uh, at points. I mean, everybody knows how much I mark I'm for Becky Lynch and a rise up the roster, how uh, much the four horsewomen side of NXT was amazing, but the women's revolution, or revolution, I can never remember what the, the word they use <laughs> to describe it, but that was built on Paige and Emma, because you've got Paige, I mean Paige, let's be brutal, at this point in time she's 21, 22, so she's very young, but her name, she 
she was a buzz on the independent scene just before coming in. I mean, Sarah mentioned her work in Shimmer. There's a match, David, that you would love from, I believe, Volume 44, where mm-hmm. she takes on Jessica Mackay. From it. Hi, volume volume forty three of Shimmer. You need to go back and look up, David. You'll probably find it on YouTube. And we've also and then we've got Emma, who character wise was amazing in NXT. Such a simple gimmick. She just comes out and dances, but she's so bloody good at it. And then they just completely fucking butcher her by putting her with fucking Santino in the main roster but yeah, uh, uh, yeah the two of them just clicked very well in ring I mean the best feuds are ones that click I mean Sasha Banks and Bailey is a classic example anytime they go at it they click you can put them in front of 10 people in a bingo hall like the Miz instructs Daniel Bryan to do and they would bum and tear the house down Paige and Emma would work more similar see if Paige gets cleared which we may talk about later on and she shows up in the impact zone faces Emma I will delete every single one of my other on-demands, subscribe to Impact, and just watch that match on repeat. You should be subscribed <laughs> to Impact anyway. No, I need to sacrifice something. You know, <laughs> AEW, 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 so... How dare you? I'm, 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 I'm getting Part and Madison Rain and Caleb need... with a K right now are just amazing. I yeah, think... I'm not talking about I... them, I'm talking about Paige. This is her that... pod. I know that you're going on a Marvel binge, and I, I don't think that Laura would be happy with you for deleting Disney Plus. So I would choose your words carefully. <laughs> Next time, Stephen. I will not delete. I will delete the wrestling ones if it happens. I have not deleted Disney Plus. <laughs> that is great value for money. Where else? Watch every single Avengers in a day. Well, this is odd. I don't think it's possible to do that. But anyway, I digress. Like, we're moving on because we're, we're finally up to where we left off Tom is the night after Wrestlemania 30 and AJ Lee uh, has made her title defence she said I've conquered the entire women's division and we get that huge pop when Paige's music hits and she comes out and AJ says as a special post Wrestlemania treat I'm going to put my title on the line and at 21 years of age Paige wins the Divas Championship and her first night on Monday Night Raw. Tom, talk us through this. What did this do for Paige's career to win the title on night one? I mean, this is this is one of the best uses of the night after WrestleMania, I think. I think this is such such a brilliant way to, de- to debut her. They'd, there was nothing they could do after that after that WrestleMania match where AJ literally beat every single woman on the roster they had to bring someone in and it did such a brilliant thing of the fact that they could they could do anything they reset the entire division because also the fact that you've got you've got the fact that Paige is on top but she's untested and unproven and there is this they they carried this idea of and they went too far with it and we're still saying it six weeks into a into a into a wrestling matches where they said Paige was a flash. People were concerned that Paige is a flash in a pan, but they they did that. But they did do that to establish it straight away, um, and it was it was such a re, a really great reset of the entire women's division, and it, it let AJ go out of the picture for a little bit, just come back fresh. But you also had that idea of like. You know that she's still the top heel in the in the division. Paige is beating all these people on the main roster, but when AJ comes back, 
you know she's at the top of the division she's the one to to look out for um and it, it was a really great starting block to come out of um without going too further on my opinions on what goes further but uh, yeah. it was it was a really like for coming out of the starting blocks and setting something off it was really i don't think they could have done it better i really yeah. don't a hundred percent and billy tom's top there about what it did for Paige to, to win the title here but conversely do you think this was the right time to end AJ's reign was she getting at the risk of getting a bit stale it getting a bit cold do you think we needed a break from AJ Lee at this point well at this point what more could AJ do she literally beat everyone at Wrestlemania so they had to bring someone in and, and she'd built up that much of a of a standing by beating everyone else that she could automatically put all of her uh, could could pass the torch to Paige straight away I mean it's a moment of course that it's now in movies what well, a movie fighting with my family uh, mm. which I'm still I'm still annoyed about they didn't cast anyone as Tamina but no it's a, it's a conversation for another day <laughs> well no one's but, Tamina oh, oh, I'm, 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 I'm Billy, so who are you going to cast I'm with you there Billy I'm with you there just bring Tamina in I, I mean, no. I don't. I, who who could you bring in? I don't know. I, th- I think the yeah, Renaissance uh, actor. Anyway, this is a conversation for another day. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, it had to be done because AJ. Well, at this point was over three hundred days. Uh, no, am I right thinking that? Two ninety seven. Two hundred and ninety something. Yeah, I was close. Okay. Uh, so yeah, she was she was two hundred ninety five. I've got I've got some information in front of me that I wrote down. But yeah, so she she built up the stand in two hundred ninety five days, beating the everyone four other fourteen other wrestlers and Rosa Mendez if she counts, and she it could put all that onto Paige. I mean, yeah, Tom's right; they didn't really do much with Paige after that. She was kind of like the plucky underdog still, even though she'd beaten AJ. But raw after WrestleMania is the reset, so it's the perfect time to do it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think. Tom's alluded to the what comes next maybe not being the best for Paige Sarah because our next pay-per-view defences came against Tamina uh, the aforementioned Tamina the who's meaner than Tamina Extreme Rules like she had to go on to face Alicia Fox at Payback um, Naomi at Money in the Bank these weren't exactly feuds or matches that set the world alight what do you think was was there anything missing from Paige as a character at this point or do you think it was the booking that held her back or potentially was it the fact that we'd already seen AJ beat most of this division throughout the last year that meant we just weren't really buying into any of the challenges at this point that AJ had to uh, the page had to face I mean when you look at the when you look at it right so first successful title defense Tamina Snuka our first like defeat obviously yeah became against Alicia Fox, um, but that was a non-title match leading to the match at Payback. Boring. And then Cameron. Like there's there is a common denominator in there is that there was no strong female to put into a rivalry with Paige because at this point AJ was asking for time off and this is obviously why they had Paige win the night after WrestleMania so AJ could have some time off. Um just to sort of stop being all burned out because even referring to her book she's essentially carrying this division on her shoulders and she says that like she's no scared to actually go ahead and say because unless you're the Bellas that in terms of wrestling she was carrying it on her back um, and she was the one that was putting everything on notice and trying to get them airtime 
Um, not only her, like the other two people that were trying to actually advocate for the women to get proper airtime was John Cena and CM Punk. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking at it, it is definitely the booking. But again, we have also we've already seen AJ Page. I mean, I've heard people refer to this as like very very similar, if not, it's not even on the same level because we all love the Trish and Lita. Um, rivalry that went on for years like see if this had been done right and I think due to the timeline in both women's careers this probably could have went this like feud could have went on for mm-hmm. ages like um, but w- looking at the, the women that were there the, the only people that could actually maybe go up against Paige in a wrestling match would be Emma and possibly either of the Bellas like at that mm-hmm. point just in terms of skill or can actually, you know, hold their own in a wrestling match. I mean, at this point, you know, Brie Bella was getting attacked by Kane, trying to, <laughs> like, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think when you when you sit and look at it and, like, looking at all the the whole thing, it, it, ma- it made... Oh, the way that I'm trying to think of describing it is the fact that it was to do with Paige's opponents and it... It really made Paige look like not a weak champion, but quite vulnerable mm-hmm. at the same time. And um, because just because it was, this is the way that it was happening, and you're just like, they've become the toilet break matches again. Yeah. When <laughs> this is before the whole Divas Revolution, and you know, give Divas a chance. Um, so, yeah. They needed an extra, like, strong hand in that division. Um, but it, it is a shame that yeah. I think they could have probably probably brought in, like, Emma or Nikki Bella a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. But they did not. What they decided to do, Stephen, we didn't have to wait too long for the return of AJ Lee. She came back the, the 30th of June episode of Raw and challenges Paige to a match and she basically squashes her for, to win back the Divas Championship. Now, considering that everything we've just talked about there with regards to how Paige's initial Divas title run had went, do you think it was the right decision to re-establish AJ as the top dog so Paige could develop her character outside of being champion for a bit? I think given what happened between the night after WrestleMania and that that Raw that you mentioned, David, I think is the right call. Because if you look at that particular, the night that Paige wins the title, it's a fantastic moment, it's right, as Tom says, resets the division and should set on a new path. But the big issue they had with the Paige title win, as kind of Sarah alluded to, is the fact that she was made to look like a chump. You know, to use the phrase that Alan McLucas loves to use. Not deliberately, because if you look at the classic example is the feud in the middle with Alicia Fox. That feud makes Alicia Fox look like such a dominant challenger over yeah. Paige. You're going into that pay-per-view, I think it was uh, payback that year, and you're literally thinking, Alicia Fox is going to take the belt off of her. And you're like, yeah. no, I don't want that to happen. Because the thing because Paige was so good at NXT, as we've mentioned, and the fact that that's kind of what you were feeling in that programme, she was then chucked into those ones with Naomi and Cameron. There was, they did absolutely nothing to establish her as this person who came in and took the NXT Women's Division by the scruff of the neck. Even the way they kind of introduced her on that Raw when she debuts, it's kind of like, oh, there's Paige from NXT. It's like, right, can you tell us more about Paige? Who's Paige beaten? Who's Paige done this? Blah, blah, blah. So I think they, they realised that they'd made a muck of it. 
and so mm. had to then reset the reset. And the only person they could do the reset with was AJ Lee, because as we've mentioned throughout the show, between AJ Lee first winning the belt and AJ winning back the belt, there was not many women in the division. That that, that 14 woman match at WrestleMania 30. You had Aksana, you had Summer Rae, Rosa Mendes, who I've mentioned quite a lot, and other people seem to mention as well. There was no one else there. Emma, I love Emma, but she was not established on the main roster to take the title back. Unless you give it to Bellas, but at this time the Bellas were occupied with their feud with Stephanie. So there was yeah. no really any place for the Bellas in there. The only option they could do is put the belt back on AJ or try to resurrect Paige's champion, which I think yeah. they were never going to do. And actually taking the belt off of her and then going into the, the, what happened next was probably the best thing for Paige. 100%. And what happened next, Tom, was we saw this sort of frenemies storyline play out. Were they tag team partners? Were they really friends? Or was it all an act? We've seen Paige uh, lose again to AJ Lee at Battleground, but then she turned heel on her the next night. Ah, the classic double cross uh, where she takes her out. And this sets up the match at SummerSlam where Paige eventually beats AJ to win the Divas Championship. Now, Tom, I don't know how much of this match you've seen, but did this feel to you like maybe not on the scale of the WrestleMania, like the Raw after WrestleMania in terms of the fan reaction, but in terms of establishing the character that Paige was maybe better suited to play, did this feel like a better coordination for her? Or a worse one compared to the first one. So this is this is kind of weird because I was watching this entire run the other night in preparation for this, and the, from post match, and I think I got up to the SummerSlam match, and it's it's so weird because again it comes into this this whole conversation that we've been having about um, not developing the sort. Of, you can tell after the Raw after WrestleMania that they're really trying to develop women's characters. Like they're they're trying to repackage people. They're trying to repackage Alicia Fox. They're trying to repackage the Funkadactyls and separate performers. But they're doing it all in fifteen minutes on every roll. They're doing it. Yeah. They're doing it all in one segment. So you lose. So someone ends up having to lose their character development in favor of the other. And for some reason, it seems to be Paige a lot on these TVs. Like the frenemies idea is a good idea essentially is what what they were doing um in the in the whole like who's going to be the one to turn with the idea because again they i don't think i don't think they screwed it up so much i don't think that they they screwed i don't understand fully why they went with Paige as the heel when aj felt like the more natural heel for me in this in this pairing but they they'd very clearly decided they wanted Paige to be the heel and they wanted it to be that they didn't know who the heel turn was going to be from. Was it going to be AJ turning on Paige? But they did it in a week. Yeah. Like they they did it they did it in one week rather than two week two weeks three weeks four weeks even to lead up to SummerSlam for some reason they they debuted the frenemies idea literally the week before Battleground, and it makes no sense as to why they did it because they had them in a tag match with the Funkadactyls the week before. And all of the TV time went to uh, Naomi and Cameron doing their breakup. Um, it's it's a it's a weird a weird idea. Um, it played like the battleground match is a really solid match as well. Um, it's a bit of a shame how long it had to come for them to have the first one, and then 
it's one of the point where it just sort of like where they get to this point where it's like the booking sort of gone a bit out of control and it's like this is nice but there's really nowhere else it can go at this point because SummerSlam is a really solid match and I and it goes they could have gone at least another five minutes over than what they went at SummerSlam like there was still gas in the tank on that match it's a really really solid wrestling match but it just feels like at that point it runs out of gas completely and that's obviously then they get to the point where they've got to bring someone new in entirely to the feud because they yeah. they just ran out of gas just by trying to cram so much booking into 15 minutes every week on a three hour television show yeah and I think Dilly we can hear the sort of frustration in Tom's voice there when he's talking about this feud because it's it's no coincidence that this happens like less than a year before the sort of give divas a chance movement kicks into gear because we are seeing performers and specifically focusing on the agent agent page rivalry here who can go and who would make magic much more magic if really truly given the chance to shine and it seems like we had the makings of something that would have been an all-time feud as as sarah alluded to earlier referencing trish and lita but they were never really given the full spectrum from WWE to really do something with that. Do you think that that's fair? Are there any other sort of comments about the nature of women's wrestling at this time? Well, we've already mentioned why it didn't work because they really had time in that five hours of wrestling a week to focus on one woman. And at the time, it was the Bellas and their feud with Stephanie McMahon. There we go. That's it. They, they, there was no time. They didn't have any any brain power to think. Oh, maybe we should we should do something else with other women at all as well. Um, they were like, no, no, we need to do new Stephanie and the Bellas and, and all that kind of stuff. So we mentioned why it didn't work because at the time they only wanted to concentrate on one woman's story at a time, and this one was was pushed to the back burner. Which it doesn't make sense because it's Paige and AJ has got this kind of similar thing when they came in. They've got they've got something different about them AJ came in as the nerd uh, as the as the the one that all the young girls can go oh I see myself in her Paige came in as the goth girl the the anti-diva the pasty white with the black hair unlike anything else and yeah it was just it's just a it just didn't it didn't give divas a chance because they, they only concentrated on one at a time so it's it's frustrating yeah. but uh, that's just that was 2000 and what was it 2013 2014 yeah oh God, years all merged into one at this point <laughs> so long but uh yeah it, it's that just that just speaks about 2004 2010 2014 in general that you've got one woman one woman's story that's it that's your fill for 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 a week uh, for a hundred percent a hundred percent it just sucked it just sucked the women's division at this point let's be brutally honest <laughs> Fair, we can all go home, ladies and gentlemen. All right, thank you for listening. But Sarah, like we're talking about, AJ Lee was the sort of the focal point that they wanted, the focal point that they'd had for years. And the Bellas were coming out of this rivalry with Stephanie McMahon. So naturally, they felt, oh, we don't really have room for Paige. So let's have her drop the title right back to AJ at Hell in a Cell. And then she sort of flounders a bit. Um, like she's in Survivor Series and then she's sort of getting involved with the Bellas and Natalia again after this but I think it's safe to say that, that post the AJ rivalry and before the alliance with AJ it's really a, a period of Paige's career that we don't really remember or look back on too fondly 
Yeah, I mean, especially after this, like, it wasn't even... This is after AJ had left the company, so they're just like, ah, oh, crap. It's just, it's now the Bellas are dominating absolutely everything. Um, so I was like, well, we need someone to go up against them. Ah, you know, Paige, she's not been doing anything. Let's put Paige in. Paige is now the young, she's the younger version of AJ. It's going to be fine. It'll all work. Like, that is pretty much their mentality. It's like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> oh, shit, I think you go. <laughs> Like, Just do it. <laughs> we all know that when things happen in WWE, sometimes it can happen on the night. Sometimes it, things can happen five minutes before like a segment's changing. You're like, where the fuck is Paige? Chucking her out in her gear and just going, have fun, <laughs> try your best. Yeah. Right, you've got you've got ten minutes. Off you go, make some magic. Like hundred percent. That's yeah. exactly what it was. So like to get through this basic like first half of the year really because. It was like in the six months. It was like, um, what she became a became a baby face for like rescuing Natalia from you know an assault by Nikki Bella, and it's like, oh, this leads to a match on main event. Paige won the main event match. Right now, tag match at the Royal Rumble. Crap, yeah. the Bellas have won that. Um, um, what are we gonna do now? You know what? Let's put Paige in a title match against Nikki. Uh. What was happening? What was happening? Uh, oh, you know what? AJ's back for like a little bit more time. Tag match at WrestleMania. This is this is gold. We're going to bring the frenemies back together and have them up against the Bellas at WrestleMania. And you're like, Ehh. well, see. To be fair, you say that, but like, to, when we got this tag match, now, Stephen, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but because these four women had been that one woman we focused on it did feel like these were the four biggest female stars that WWE had at that time genuinely so mm-hmm. to see AJ Lee and Paige on one side and the Bellas on the other and them actually having what was it wasn't like a one on one match for the title at Mania but it was better than the sort of multi-women battle royal type shenanigans we'd seen in years prior like this did feel like somewhat of a step up for the women at wrestlemania at wrestlemania 31 do you do you agree with that i think you're right yeah i think it begins the shift into what the women's divisions become now because you mentioned that the year before we had the battle royal the 14 women battle royal and then you look the year after that we get what many people still class as the best women's match at WrestleMania of all time, the triple threat between Sasha, Becky and Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So it is that beginning of the you know, the movement and you're right, if you have to put you want to give something, you know, because you don't want to just go like like we're gonna chuck everything again because that's kind of the mentality that started with the Andre Battle Royals. Yeah. That. Just the idea of let's just chuck these people on the card for a, for a, for no reason. Just to get a WrestleMania payday. But no, you need to have something of substance. Especially on that on this WrestleMania. Because looking back, the, uh, the WrestleMania 31 card is stacked from top to bottom. It's pretty much one of the most consistent WrestleManias I've done in the last decade. So the cat, if you if you chuck a, a women's multi multi match there, it's just not going to cut it between Triple H and Sting and Rusev coming out in a tank. It's just mm. not going to cut. It's just not going to cut the mustard. So they give yeah. these four the platform because it is essentially the kind of year in the making. I don't want to talk about the Brie Bella heel turn. It's, it's, a, it's a different show than the other things I've done before, David. I wasn't on uh, it. It's a great I show. I, hate, yeah, I, hate, <laughs> I, don't, no, I don't hate the show. The show was good, but I, I hate the heel turn. The heel turn's terrible. It's just so bad. 
but it's yeah, it's perfectly done. It's the right move. I think what the, the main issue is kind of what Sarah was mentioned leading up to it with the whole let's just chuck page here, page here, page here. Because if you start looking at Paige's career from here till the middle of 2016 when she goes in the hiatus, they're just chucking it in random stuff. Yeah. I mean, she just randomly kind of leads out the NXT roster on that one night on Raw. Like, you know, why is she doing that now? She could have done that at this point, at the point coming before WrestleMania. It made a lot more sense, but she does it a wee bit later. It's just like, yeah, yeah that's, obviously that's going to be that's a completely different kettle of fish. But no, I think yeah, you're, you to summarise David Jab perfectly right. You put these get them on. It's a decent match, seven minutes long. Isn't perfect. Isn't you know a classic, but it's for the card that's on. It does the job, and it's not bad, which is yeah. Good. Rusev had sex in that tank. If you hadn't heard, uh, right? Yeah, they, had, they literally had to follow. DX and NWO limping to the ring and help stay in Triple H. I mean, from a spectacle point of view, I mean, it makes no sense whatsoever the NWO helps stay. But from a spectacle point of view, you have to follow that. It's like the poor guys had to follow Blumen Rock and Hogan and to a lesser extent at WrestleMania 18. It's just like, yeah, you just do what you can and go. Yeah, well, well, Tom, what do you think of the match itself? Because I know she has that that six women tag the next night on Monday Night Raw, but for all extents and purposes, this was AJ Lee's last big, big final hurrah. You know, on a big stage at WrestleMania. We've discussed earlier in this show the work that AJ Lee had done for the women's division and the spot that she had put herself in. Do you think that this tag match against the Bellas and this feud was the right way for AJ to go out? Or do you think that they should have done something else with her at WrestleMania 31? I'll let you in on a little secret here, David. Mm. WrestleMania WrestleMania 31 is probably one of my all-time favourite WrestleManias. I agree with you. To, to, this, oh, to, this day, to this day, I have never seen the AJ Lee Page and Nikki Bella uh, Bella Twins tag match I've really? never seen I have never something has whenever I've sat down to watch Wrestlemania 31 every single time something comes up whenever it gets mm. to that match and I've just let it play on I've just never got round to actually sitting down and watching it which to me sums up the direction that this feud ended up going in just because it is basically and I hate to use a great British break off right uh, reference it's it's the middle of the run icing on a middle of the run bake off cake like it's just that's that's where it ends up it's it could have been something so perfect and it could have been a real like new turn of development and nikki bella's title run is one of hands down my favorite title runs in uh this era of wwe like, I think she did a phenomenal job as the women's mm. champion. Yeah. But as as what this was meant to be, as a big blow-off match, it just it just doesn't hit that spot at all. Yeah. And I think yeah. well, that's that's interesting. Like I think I'm kinder to the match and the feuds that we got at WrestleMania time than all you guys are. But I, re- I respect that it, it did feel like a lot of the things uh, the women did in this era, sort of half-boiled, half-baked. Um, but going back to it Billy AJ's gone she's finished she's left alright she's away forget about her forever do you think that do you lament the fact that AJ Lee felt she had to leave WWE at this point do you think there was more to do with AJ 
Or do you think the presence of AJ going forward into what we're going to see next in the next steps of the women's division would have hampered it because of the way that WWE Creative had relied on her solely as the face of that division for so long? Uh, um, you know, I have, I have kept, like said a little bit uh, that, that AJ, I don't think, was a good wrestler overall, but Mike Quirk carried it. I think when what was coming up afterwards, not that she was bad by any stretch, but she was she was good in a pile of rubbish wrestlers. So it made her look better. But when when the women's revolution came and you're getting the ones that they, they've honed and molded in NXT, like Charlotte and Becky Lynch and Sasha and the, the four horsewomen, um, I think if she didn't do a manager or commentary or an on-screen pet presence, but not wrestling, I think she would have brought something but I think in the ring I think she'd done all she could with what she was given um, I will say though her crumple physics are insane much like Lita um, that, that we've mentioned already but yeah I, I also think she would have either been she would have been hampered in the moon's revolution because people would have realised oh she's really good talking but her ring work isn't as good as Charlotte and mm-hmm. I think leave the memories alone and all that she was great in the time that she was in with people that were not as good as, as her and you don't want to, to go back and go oh she wasn't really that good because she was in the ring with all these this, the four horsewomen so I think she got out at the right time would have would it be better to have a bit more of a fanfare sure it would have been great because much like Tom there I forgot that match even happened uh, between the, the Bell Twins and Paige and AJ Lee because it was between Triple H and Sting and John Cena and Rusev. Who's yeah. who's going to remember that match, unfortunately? But uh, yeah. I just want to say quickly that, that Rusev did have sex in that time. I've heard it's heavily rumoured, yes. Yeah. No, no, but not rumoured. He said he had sex. Rusev apparently, had, Rusev apparently has sex a lot. If you watch Dynamite, it's pretty much a weekly feature. He had sex in Fuego del Sol's car. Mm-hmm. And the tank. And the tank. Uh, <laughs> so I think that's very clear. Yeah. But, but yeah, but, what I'm saying is I, I think she got out at the right time. She got out, but like I said, it would have, would have been good if it was a bit more fanfare, but she got out just when she needed to. Well, Billy's channeling fuel will leave the memories alone, he says. But Paige's career in WWE continued past this point. We're going to go through some of the cliff notes of that here. Like, obviously, we had the women's revolution. We've covered that in our four horsewomen shows. But something that was very controversial, Sarah, was the end of the submission sorority. Sorry, Team PCB. <laughs> um, that classic faction uh, of this year. Um, Charlotte beats Nikki for the title um, at Night of Champions. And the next night, Paige cuts a, a promo turning heel, tells Becky she's the least relevant of all of them, which is probably true at that point, uh, much to Stephen's chagrin. And also brings up um, Charlotte's dead brother uh, yeah, during this rivalry and uses the real-life tragedy of his death uh, to try and get under Charlotte's skin. Now, Ric Flair has... It commented saying this was not something that was run by him and he was hurt by it. What are your what's your attitude towards this promo that Paige delivered, uh, where she essentially mocked the death um, of Charlotte's brother? The promo was actually kind of half decent up until that point. Um, 
for for her turning around and like doing like the classic, you know, psych. It's like, oh yeah, no, this all it's like you. This wouldn't have been possible without me. And you're like, okay, classic, classic. That's a classic psych. You know, it's like the I'm really, really sorry for absolutely nothing. Like, that's the same on the same level. Um, but to bring up somebody's dead brother, I mean, speak from personal experience, having someone bring up a dead relative to hurt you, I mean, yeah, it, it's going to get under your skin, it's going to get heat, but like I, like I said on one of our previous shows about the way that, like, Max Caster gets himself heat um, for AEW, it's essentially, like, using real-life things that are, like, eh! either in bad taste, a little bit too soon, or a combination of both. Um, whereas that one, was, it was definitely in bad taste, because if you're going to do it, at least give them a heads up. Like, you sh- I know that WWE do the writing, but surely you would let the wrestlers talk amongst themselves and go, right, is this going to be too far? I don't want to actually like hurt your feelings, because... You've seen in a lot of backstage videos that they are like a big family, sometimes. Um, so you don't know if this is legitimately Paige wanting to just be a dick, if she's a bit of a, if she is a bit of a bitch, um, or it was genuinely the writing. You don't yeah. know um, until like somebody actually comes clean and admits it, and you're never gonna know. So. Yeah. There, there comes a bit where you just you need to not blur the lines between well, kayfabe and reality. But this is the reality era, Sarah. I'm going to stay with you because I know you're a fan of this show. Told Divas. Uh-huh. Uh, Paige, Paige became a cast member on Told Divas. Now inform the uninformed. Uh, inform these simpletons on the panel who, <laughs> are, who are, don't have the refined taste that we do. You know, or oh, connoisseurs yeah. of reality television. What what, what was Paige like uh, when she appeared <laughs> on Total Divas? I mean, the way that she described herself was sort of like the hot mess. But there were some times that I really related with Paige, like her lying on the floor when she got a pizza. She's like, oh my god, this pizza's so good. Uh, and she's lying on the floor, basically giving an orgasm over this pizza. And I'm like, I feel you, I've been there. Maybe not with the pizza like on the floor with the orgasm, but... That feeling of eating something that's so damn good, you're like, oh, oh my god, this is amazing. Yeah, so, 100%. But when that explained, like, a lot of her, like, her relationship with her mum, you were just like, I can see why she's a little bit off her head, because Sabria is a little bit off her head. Um, like, the relationship with Kevin, and she's like, I don't want to be fucking engaged, Kevin! It was, like, one of the most infamous lines. But she likes to stir the pot. On Total mm. Divas, like, that's what I always found. She was very, very sneaky and liked to stir the pot. Um, especially when it came to talking about stuff. Like She would always like do wee pranks or all this sort of stuff. But it just really showed her kind of immaturity. In a mm. way, when you see like all the other women are like in their 30s and Paige is like, in, still in her early to mid-20s, you can really, really see the immaturity in her. So... Yeah, that that's basically, you know, for you uncultured swines out there that don't appreciate Total Divas. Um, that was basically what Paige was, like, primarily throughout the season mm-hmm. that she was a main cast member on. Um, up until, like, when she decided to, you know, well, when she was not asked back. It's not when they decide to leave, it's when Ego, ah, bye, <laughs> I yeah. don't want you. 
A hundred percent. And the, the, the thing is that we had a run here, Stephen, where she has that feud with Charlotte and then she's involved in the sort of total divas match at Mania 32. But then she gets injured and she's off TV and she's off TV and it comes at a point where there's a lot of rumours surrounding her, her relationship with Del Rio at this point. She gets suspended for a wellness policy violation. Her mum's kicking shit up on Twitter. Yeah. Like, it felt, Stephen, like this could be the end of Paige because of what Sarah's talking about, because of the immaturity, because of things happening behind the scenes. And I know for myself as a fan, it, it was very frustrating because she was a character that we wanted to see on television and in that women's division. Like, what what do you remember from this really troubled point in Paige's career? Yeah, it was like, you were literally waiting for the tweet to come out that said, WWE has agreed terms to release Paige. You know, you were waiting for it because you just felt like something was going to happen. I'm not going to dig too much in the Del Rio stuff because it's a fucking minefield from what mm-hmm. I've read. I don't really want to come across like I don't really know what I'm talking about. But it's apparently an absolute minefield and it's... it's my wife is fair to say she was going through... There was some troubles there at this point in time, which is fair to say. You mentioned the wellness policy stuff, which, you know, I think she had about two violations in the space of six months. Which, unless you're Randy Orton, that usually means you get sacked. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then there was the neck injury stuff, and then, you know, Saraya Knight. I mean, she's well played in fighting with her family. I mean, she's perfectly cast in that film, you know, by, um, what's her face for Game of Thrones? Lena Headey. Yeah, Lena that, yeah, shame, you know, whatever. I can't, I can't remember her character's name in Game of Thrones. You know, Cersei thought, Lannister. I'm here for you, Stephen, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> we were bummed we so much with the last season, David, we can understand. Uh, yeah, so there's just, it's just so much. It's just like, yeah, this could, you could be going down a really bad path. And you were worried about her, not just from a wrestling point of view, from a personal point of view. Because there was some of the stuff that was coming out was was bad it sounded really really bad and some of the stuff has came out there since then so it's good that she's in she seems to be in a decent place now but that point in 2016 to 2017 you were really worried of where her life was going to go down not just a wrestling career and the moment she eventually comes back yeah it's quite fulfilling in a way because it looked like at the age of 24 25 her career was going to go down the tube and she's a great wrestler, that's the great thing about her. We didn't, we've not seen the full extent of her character in WWE, but in terms of wrestlers, she could hang with the likes of Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, you know, and probably run in the current era and be very successful in her multiple t- championship range. Yeah, 100%. And I think Tom Stevens alluded to it there, the return. She comes back, it was a big surprise. The music hits during a match between Banks and Bailey and James and Bliss on the other side. And it was uh, everyone's so happy to see her. And it, it debuts this great new group, Absolution. It's Paige with with two people who she judged in the tough enough season, and Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville. Like she's coming in here. This looks like a great group. Like, and then she gets injured, and then she gets she gets injured again, and it really sets her back. Like Tom, this was this was a blow. Uh, in Paige's career because I don't know about you I think that Absolution could have had legs would you agree? Oh I think Absolution was one of the best ideas that they potentially put together um, for for a long time at that point I thought Absolution was Absolution was something I was completely behind um, 
again, it's one of them. Again, it was always doomed to fail because he had too many things going on at the same time for the fact that he had the Riot Squad debuting at the exact same time. For some unknown reason, they decided to have two of the exact same faction on both of their shows that, that just made no sense. But absolutely, I don't think there's ever been a better pairing of 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 talent in the last few years of of new talent with someone that knew knew the way to bring them in and stuff like that. I think Paige was Paige was great as a manager for those two for those two guys and and again it became a bit bit of an unknown reason as to why they swapped her on to the general manager role because I think Absolution was somewhere that had, Absolution had legs like for yeah. days. 100% and I think like, she could have stayed as the heel manager even with the injury but Billy we see after she announces her retirement like like Tom was saying there she announces the general manager of Smackdown uh, and she's over there doing her thing and then she comes back as the manager uh, of the Kabuki Warriors uh, oh, at Asuka and Kairi Zane and she also has a run on WWE backstage like what, what are your thoughts on Page's role in WWE post-retirement, do you really think they've made the most of what they could do with Page, or do you think it's for the best that maybe Page and WWE part ways at this point? Uh, I absolutely forgot about her being uh, introducing the Kabuki Warriors, so thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> no the, the GM thing, though, that it was so weird. She lost her job as a GM because of Baron Corbin. I don't know what the opinion of Baron Corbin is on, on in this panel, but that was such a weird thing that they, she was doing a great job as Smack as SmackDown GM. Like she was, she was there. She didn't yeah. like interject herself too much, which is what you wanted. She was like a perfect Teddy Long kind of. She'd come in yeah. if she needed to, and then she lost her role because because Baron Corbin, sorry Constable Corbin, was uh, absolute shite at his job. Uh, so <laughs> a bit weird. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know much much after she did I didn't watch backstage who, who watched backstage uh, but of course she kept her around because fighting with her family was coming out and we got the unfortunate page here uh, insert promo page <laughs> here I think that's why they took her off TV I think they took her off TV to promote that film David would, prob- David would probably best to tell you and MDL to be fair of MDL yeah well yeah Probably like the, when you watch a film, you have premieres. Obviously, you have press junkets and stuff like that. So they probably would have wanted her there, considering that she is like a, a media personality. And the fact, like, because there's some people who, if you make a real life story about them, you're not exactly going to want them in front of the camera, because then you realise, oh, this is entirely fictional, because you are like a charisma black hole, as Billy used to to describe Natalia earlier on. But I think it helps the fact that. They have Paige, who was actually someone who could promote the movie behind and was quite cool and quite a badass. So that made sense why they would want her on that press run. But like we've talked about Paige and where her career is going to go, and it's a shame that she retired. But like AJ's career wasn't done after wrestling. Uh, Sarah, we know that you've read AJ's book uh, and her memoir um, that that she wrote after she retired. Now, what do you? What do you want to tell us about that book, uh, Crazy is My Superpower? Like, how did you find it as a read? And was there anything in there that we might be surprised to learn about AJ as a person? I mean, the entire book itself, I, I was really surprised by it. Because um, at this point, like, I I was familiar 
who with AJ, I'd watched like some of her bark back, and obviously I caught like the tail end of her career essentially, like when I first proper started watching. Um, so when she announced that she was, you know, writing a book, um, or mainly to do with her mental illness, and obviously at this point I had been diagnosed with my own mental illnesses, um, and it was very very hard to sort of speak out about it and all this sort of stuff so when she released her book I thought it was mainly about that and just slightly about her career um, but it basically takes you ever since like her childhood growing up in poverty and then making her way through like being at uni mental illnesses and then her work in WWE and other things as well um, it was such a surprising read like, if anyone ever thinks about reading it I would highly recommend it. I mean, I've not long finished it again and I want to read it again because it is just so good. And the things that obviously surprised me the most, it wasn't even about AJ herself. It was, well, like, it was a fun fact that when she started at WWE, they didn't want her to have the name AJ Lee. They just wanted her to to have the name AJ or something like that. But it was like the very, very last second before handing out a submission form, she wrote Lee at the end of the submission form and handed it in. So obviously that just came about by pure chance. And the other thing that, again, that I've mentioned earlier was it was the fact that the people that were advocating for women to get more time on the air, this is even before CM Punk began a romantic relationship with her. Um, was CM Punk and you're like and, and obviously John Cena which we know that John Cena does like to speak up about things in the company but Punk was one that really really surprised me and this wasn't even to do with the fact that they were involved like Punk would always just call her kiddo which was a bit strange considering obviously now that they're married um, but it's it's such an eye opener to see like the struggles that she went through literally because you see some people I would say like Charlotte that would instantly, I don't even know if Charlotte had a tryout or anything, but she just went from university playing volleyball straight to being a product of WWE. Um, whereas this was like a different point of view coming through the Indies, um, being like the fact that she was trained by Jay Lethal and growing up having to like queue for like even nosebleed seats um, for like a wrestle, like for a Raw or a WrestleMania. But mm-hmm. watching the journey from being like an underweight, skinny, skinny, skinny child um, to going through the Indies and then I think it was two or three tries to even get anywhere near FCW. Um, and then when she finally got there, obviously, like the, the trials and tribulations of what it was really like as well. And that is actually mirrored in the Bellas book. Mm-hmm. When they were going through all that stuff in FCW, it does mirror quite a lot, but it does focus on like especially there's a big highlight on the unstable girlfriend angle that they did um, and that was something that she was really really unhappy with and she voiced that but Vince McMahon just loved the crazy apparently mm-hmm. Fair and uh, Stephen to switch gears to something Paige has done outside of WWE we've talked about it briefly Fighting With My Family 2019 release directed by uh, Stephen Merchant uh, who, and obviously yeah. produced by The Rock uh, stars of Florence Pugh, who's went on to do a lot of work in the Academy Award-nominated actress, uh, and Vince Vaughn as well, uh, is in this movie, who I used to dislike Vince Vaughn, but I've kind of warmed to him recently. I really enjoyed Freaky uh, when it came out, but what were your thoughts of Fighting With My Family? A brief review 
uh, from Stephen Wilson himself, a film connoisseur over here. <laughs> I, I like to think of myself as a film connoisseur, David, but you know, you're, you're the best man to judge on that, so I'll give you the benefit. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was great. I, I really liked it. Coming into it from a wrestling fan, seeing the whole, because I knew the journey of Cage, I was quite interested to see how they were going to portray it. Vince Vaughn is pretty much like, what's his face, Cayman, Cayman Cannon, whether that guy is and releases everybody who got released himself recently. He's essentially <laughs> that guy for it, and he's a perfect guy for it, because other than Dodgeball and Wedding Crashers, he plays a dick in a lot of movies, and he does yeah. it quite well. Uh, yeah, I think the cast, as you mentioned, are great. Florence Pugh, you know, she's brilliant in a lot of stuff she's in. I think she's going to be the, the British version of Zendaya the way she's going mm. you know which is I know we've talked about how much we're a fan of Zendaya oh <laughs> I never, never pronounced her name right but but yeah. the, the, the the best thing though is as I meant the casting of the parents you know the the night parents you know you've got Lera, Lera Henry Hedy Lera Hedy who's great as uh, Sweet Soraya and uh, Rowdy Ricky played by Nick Frost <laughs> Nick Frost he's just he's an absolute nut man <laughs> but it's, it's, that, it's that Nick Frost <laughs> yeah but it's, it's there's a lot of stuff it's, it, it really is see when you watch it see if you watched it and not know anything about wrestling you would think you would just watch it start to finish not question a single thing but see as a wrestling fan you sit there watching it going Why, what is Rock doing in the backstage about with the NXT folk at WrestleMania <laughs> I mean he was just he went out with Hulk Hogan at the start of the show and then left you know it's just like the, the Rock clearly shoehorns himself in there sort of always like I'm producing this I'm going to be the one who said I discovered her it's like yeah Rock you didn't meet her I try it. But stuff. She didn't dye her hair. She never dyed her hair. There's other stuff in it, you know, like the wrestling cameos are quite good as well. Uh, as Billy mentioned earlier on, the lack of Tamina takes it from a four star to a three and a half. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good watch. I, I, I really did enjoy watching it. It's been that long since I watched it. I would love to go rewatch it because, like most people, pre pandemic feels like a decade ago. So. Yeah. It's only out in 2019 as well, so it's just like, yeah, I'd love to go back and rewatch it with a, a nice. fresh pair of eyes. Maybe. See, at the same time with that, actually, is I don't know about you guys, but like watching it as a wrestling fan that follows the journey, I was getting quite annoyed with the the things that were inconsistent with how it actually really happened. I was like, she didn't dye her hair. Nope, that's not how it happened. Wait, what? That yeah. never happened. That's not AJ Lee, that's Selena Vega. <laughs> it was, I was also just trying to guess like who the women were that were in the locker room were, and I'm like, who's that meant to be? Who's yeah. that meant to be? Yeah. Who's that meant to be? There was, a, there was a lack of Sasha Banks. There was a lack of uh, Rosa Mendes. Oh, definitely. Uh, the Rosa no, Mendes I'm missing is ridiculous. She didn't, she didn't have the match with, uh, she didn't have the match with Emma down in NXT. They could have had someday, I don't know, who's a blonde that's in Hollywood these days. Uh, I don't know, they could have had Scarlett Johansson dye her hair, she could have had a cameo, she could yeah. have been Emma. I mean, that would, I'm not going to lie, it would have been the best casting ever. But, hey ho. <laughs> I like it. You didn't like... even do the whole NXT Women's Champion run, and you're like, that's oh, Vince... kind of what. Ah, briefly. Vince Vaughn just gives her a, a, a speech, a pep talk. Uh, exactly, and you're just like, there was this whole thing about Paige coming to the main roster and being the first ever NXT Women's Champion. And being okay. so good, and you're like, well, they missed out that. Oh, uh, <laughs> kind of I know. Junk. Yeah, but that's it. That's what you do. These movies, they just make things up. You know what I mean? Wait till I tell you about Braveheart. Uh, but <laughs> like, to sort of take it back to the wrestling, um, Tom, I'm going to come to you on this one. AJ Lee, 
where do you think she stands in the pantheon of WWE women and what is the story of AJ Lee's career when it's all said and done oh that's a tricky one um she's she's got to be it, it depends how much of a gap you put the people that came after her mm-hmm. I think I th- she's she's got to she's got to be rec- I, no actually no I, I think you've got to recognise her as someone who's really integral to the development of, of of where the women are at today in WWE particularly I I think she's she's got to be she's got to be given because so the credit needs to be shared equally I think I think there is a lot of credit to go around in terms of where it, it came from in terms of the give divas a chance mm-hmm. but I I think she's definitely in, a, in in an arguable position as the person who fired the starting shot on that. Yeah, I think 100%. I think you've, I think you've got I think you've got to regard her very highly for the development yeah. of women's wrestling, particularly in WWE. Um, overall, I think that I think you've, the point you've got to make for overall on her career is the fact that she was at the like pretty much from for two years she was at the top of the roster for two for two years not not a lot of people get to that position in their respective divisions mm-hmm. so I think you've got to give her credit there as like maybe she's not up there as like perhaps from an in-ring perspective of one of the best of all time but I think that's because she wasn't given the chance I yeah. think I think her I think her failings are not her failings in regards to what could have been for everything yeah. for the feelings of the booking around her I like, I like yeah. what you're saying there because it is it's a complicated legacy she leaves because it, she was maybe the best of her era and the best of her generation but it was a generation like you say that wasn't given a chance I think you've summed up quite well yeah. there I think Billy same question for Paige where where does Paige's career stand in the sort of canon of WWE female talents and what do you look back on as the legacy of Paige uh, well, before before I do that, I'll just add to the bit about AJ Lee. I think without her, we wouldn't wrestling. Well, women in wrestling were either uh, it's an ass, or there were big women who could do power moves. That was it. That was your. That was your two. Well, that's what you got. So I think AJ Lee broke the mold, as in they could go, oh right, okay, we can we can get someone who looks a little bit different, and then here's Paige. So it's it's. I think it, without AJ Lee. I don't think WWE would have taken as much of a chance on Paige without her, mm-hmm. because again, Paige is the anti diva. She's not like to steal a, a, a Nia Jax's theme. She's not like most girls. So <laughs> she, without her and without Paige, we might not have had Bailey. Again, not the yeah. not conventional beautiful woman uh, in WWE's turn in eyes. You know, uh, yeah. so I think without AJ. You wouldn't get Paige in WWE. You wouldn't get likes of Bailey. You wouldn't get um, these these women that are different. And uh, so, thanks to AJ, we got that. So with Paige, she is she's in ring, uh, probably one one of the best again of her era. Overall, maybe because she didn't get the chance to uh, show more. And by the time that all these other women were coming up that could go with her she got injured and so that I was kind of cut it off short so we'll never we may never see what Paige could have done um, fortunately her personal life may affect her in-ring return because uh, of course her body has changed since 
uh, she stopped wrestling. But uh, yeah, I think Paige is a, a very important chapter in women's wrestling, especially in WWE. Yeah, 100%. Now, to finish off, we're going to do something fun. I just want you guys to give me some names, all right? If AJ Lee was to return this week on Raw or NXT or SmackDown in WWE or AEW, who would you like to see her face? And same question for Paige and Sarah. One match, one feud, one returning rivalry for each of these women, please. Who would you have Ah. them go up against? I mean, I would love to see Paige and Sasha. Mm -hmm. Um... That's the one thing I feel like like we could have done a little bit more with. Um, so that that would be what I would probably pick. And then C for AJ, I would love to see her against Thunder Rosa. Oh, Rosa, Rosa, Rosa. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That would be such a good match, such a good rivalry. Steven, same question to you, sir. Oh, um, Paige, I would need to go with Bianca Belair. Mm-hmm. I think that's a solid choice. Uh, AW wise, Sarah picked the one I was going to say in Thunder Rosa. Ah. I would actually go with Hikara Shida. Mm, for AJ's. Yes. I think that would be an interesting clash that of style. Was geeks. I, I, yeah, I, I'm really trying not to say the obvious one, so I'm trying to go a bit left field with Shida. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it, Stephen. And Tom, it's your choices, your picks, please. Who's who's Paige returning against and who's AJ going to return against? I am going to go with for Paige. I would like to see... I'd like to see Paige go against Mandy Rose in NXT. Nice. Um, That's a good to, one. To, to sort of come full circle um, on the absolution, on the absolution side of things. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go left feed with AJ AJ Lee because Sarah got to Thunder Rosa before I could get ah. there. I would, I would really like to see AJ Lee work a program with Jade Cargill. Oh, oh. I, I, I had that thought in my head as well. It's a great oh. little love rivalry. Yeah, that that's a that's a good one, Tom. I like that. And Billy, a lot of good picks been taken, but it comes to you. You have to finish us off. End is on a high. Who are they coming oh, back against? Best to last. I can only cause disappointment. Um, well, I won't. <laughs> I won't pick anyone from AEW because I don't watch enough AEW or to, to gauge what their roster's like. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll stick with WWE uh, for Paige. Just because she's got the anti. I've sent that diva so many times. You could probably have a drinking game on this. But <laughs> just with the goth look, um, I wouldn't mind her seeing getting in with uh, Rhea. Rhea that's a little good. bit out there with her, with her, just the, get the goths together, um, put them in the corner outside McDonald's. I don't know, but uh, yeah, so get them together. I think that would be good fun. Um, AJ Lee, you know what? Uh, Alexa Bliss, give me AJ Lee versus Alexa Bliss because oh, Alexa, exactly, oh, Alexa's filled that role that AJ did, and they've got a similar kind of style a little bit with the wrestling, and yeah, something could something good could happen there. So give me AJ versus. That is a good way to end the show and I want to thank my panel for being here Sarah, it's always a pleasure I mean David, we didn't get your ones Um, Let's not end the show right now, two seconds Okay, well let's say I'll go for (laughs) Paige coming back against Sonya Deville Uh, Similar uh, thought to what Tom was saying, I think Sonya's in that authority role could have Paige come and say, no, I was a better general manager than you, mate. I'm going <laughs> to kick your ass. Uh, and AJ, I think you need to just send out to the top of the division. Let's have AJ against Charlotte. 
you know what I mean? Uh, like, uh, like, like the best uh, of each of their eras. Let's just go for it. Um, but thank you for putting me in the spot, Sarah. I said it was always a pleasure with you. <laughs> Stephen, Stephen, always a cheer. Uh, <laughs> you had a good night. <laughs> Likewise, David, to your ego is <laughs> increasingly difficult to control. In a week that I listened back to your first ever show, it's just got bigger and bigger. It continues to grow until yes. the day until the day explodes. Me and David have evolved together yeah okay. exactly yeah, but your, to e- your, your ego has not evolved david's mm. ego has evolved <laughs> sorry i don't i don't listen to peasants anyway I tom thank you very much <laughs> well, thank you so much for for making your debut today sir oh it's been a pleasure thank you so much no worries anyway of course we have the man behind scottish wrestling network billy strachan it was it was good to have you here sir always appreciate the plugs for the for uh, scottish wrestling network but no i've had a lot of fun so can't wait to come back well, listen, we'll see you back next time in the feature show. We're going to get another one in our Mount Rushmore series. It's always a fun time. The big dog, Al McLucas, will be hosting. They're looking at the Mount Rushmore of wrestling managers. Tune in for that one. But for now, from ESSR, from the feature shows, it's goodbye. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Superplex Retreat East Meets West where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat Seek Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.